Welcome to Practical Christian Living. But if you've truly been born again, there's a hunger and a desire for righteousness. And I love that Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. And if you today say, Not me. I'm a born-again Christian, but I don't want to be holy. I don't want to be righteous. I don't want to keep His commandments. Then I would say, perhaps you're illegitimate. Perhaps you're really not a child of God. Today's teaching here on Practical Christian Living is an encouragement to lay aside whatever sin we might be involved in and seek God's forgiveness, grace, and ask Him to restore whatever might have been lost. We can't shine for Jesus when our sin is dimming that light. Go before His throne today, make things right with Him, and get back to the work of His kingdom. There is much to be done. Here's Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary Tucson, with a continuation of our teaching out of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. We hope you're blessed. If you're being made fun of because you're a Christian, or if you've got family members who mock you because you're a Christian, or if you're in a class and your professor is making fun of Christians and you're afraid to stand up for Christ in that room, don't be afraid of that because Jesus endured hostility from sinners and this is an opportunity for you to shine for Him. See, a lot of people will do anything for Jesus. They'll live for Him, they'll die for Him, they'll sacrifice, but as soon as they start to get embarrassed for Him, then they won't do it. But we've been called to do everything to even receive the shame. And isn't it interesting, if you are a college student, you can be involved in anything. You can be involved in the most wackiest, weirdest religion in the world and they'll accept you. But if you're a Christian, then they'll mock you. Then they'll turn against you. That ought to tell you something. Isn't it interesting that the professors who wanna curse the name of Jesus and drag him through as much as he possibly can, isn't it interesting that they never curse in the name of Muhammad, they never curse in the name of Allah, they never curse in any, any Hindu or Krishna or any other kinds of religions, but they curse the living God and they curse Jesus, the son of God. It's not because of you that they hate you. They are looking at you and saying, I hate you. If you, were, if you were some other religion, they'd accept you. It's because of Jesus that they hate you they were being persecuted. And because of that persecution, they were turning away from him. And so in verse three, he says this to them, Jesus endured hostility from sinners against himself, just as you and I need to endure hostility of sinners against us. And then he says this, you haven't begun to resist sin unto bloodshed. Some have kind of thought, well, that verse tells us that we need to fight against sin to bloodshed. It's not what it's saying. I'm not, I, I'm oppo- I am not opposed to fighting against sin, okay? But it's not saying that. What it's saying is, is j- just as Jesus endured hostility from sinners, so we are going to receive hostility from sinners. And he's telling these particular Hebrew Christians, they're not shedding your blood yet. You haven't resisted unto bloodshed and still you're not enduring. They had need of endurance. They were turning and running when blood had not even been shed yet. What were they going to do when the Roman Empire began to persecute them by bloodshed? If when it came to shame, they weren't willing to stand their ground. And so then he says to them, have you forgotten? See, there's certain things we forget. Have you forgotten that God disciplines his children? That's what he says in verse five. Read it here with me. He says, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to us as sons. And then he quotes Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. I want to start today by asking you, have you forgotten that you are sons? 
Have you forgotten that you are daughters of God? And have you forgotten the passage in Proverbs that says, don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Receive it, accept it. Accept it as one who loves you, who wants to correct you, who doesn't want you entangled in sin, who doesn't want you heading in some bizarre direction, who doesn't want you uh, deceived by sin. And so God brings you into the woodshed. My wife was incredibly insightful when it came to what was happening in our lives. And sometimes when something would be going on and I would say, I don't know what God's doing. And she would say, maybe God's doing this. I would go, oh yeah. It is easy for us to forget the work that God's doing and to forget that God's disciplining us. And if God's disciplining you now, if you've got something in your life that you know is wrong and you've settled into it, you've harbored that sin in your life, and then there's some hardship going on, consider whether or not God may be disciplining you and how it would be good for you to get rid of that in your life, remembering that God disciplines those whom he loves. Look at verse six. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. It is out of love that we chasten our children and it is out of love that God chastens us. It goes on to say in verse seven, if you endure chastening, see Jesus endured hostility from sinners against himself. And now if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whose father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, in other words, every one of us have chastening in our life, okay? All of us have become partakers of that. Then you are illegitimate, not sons. He's saying, if you are given over to your sin, if you begin to go down that road, maybe you start flirting with a girl who's at work and you say, well, it's not sexual. Well, you're just deceiving yourself because it is sexual. You guys might not have touched each other yet, but it's sexual by nature because flirting in itself is sexual and you're heading down that road and God puts up a roadblock and God puts up another roadblock and God begins to cause difficulties and hardships in your life and you're going around that roadblock. Remember that God disciplines those whom he loves and he wants to spare you the trouble, the trials, the difficulties that are gonna come your way. But if there's no roadblocks, you say, well, there's no roadblocks in my life. If I want to go out and get drunk, I just go out and get drunk. If I want to flirt with that girl, I just flirt with that girl. You know what it tells me? You're not a son. You're not a daughter. God disciplines his children. And if, God, if you've been given over to sin, far scarier to be given over to sin than to have the discipline of God. Far scarier for God to go, you know what? Just go ahead and do it. Remember when, when Balaam wanted to curse the children of Israel and God said no. And then Balaam asked again and God said, go ahead and go. That was not good news for Balaam, by the way, because God sent an angel along the way to kill him. And so if all of a sudden God allows you to have some sin in your life, if all of a sudden the restriction and discipline is gone, that's the scariest place to be. If you find yourself in that place today, then turn and run back to the arms of your heavenly father. Surrender yourself to him completely and surrender yourself to his discipline because if you're not disciplined, then you're illegitimate. That's what he says, right? Now he goes on to say here in verse eight, but if you are chastened, of which we have all, excuse me, verse nine, furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? Now we have had human fathers who, who chastened us. I spoke about how my dad chastened me. The purpose of that is to bring someone back to the right place. I haven't been the perfect father by any means. I don't believe that I always disciplined correctly. When my, again, my oldest boy, David, he was the one that ran out into the street when he was about nine years old. You know, David, 
great kid. Never did anything that was, was really bad, not that I know of, okay? Never caused us any real problems, okay? But he was lippy. You guys have a kid like that? He just gave lip, you know? I told him to do something, he'd say no. And just defy you to do something about it. He was just that way. And uh, I think he's that way now, even to this day, to some degree. You know, if a cop pulled him over, let me see your license, no. What are you gonna do? Well, Dave, don't do those kind of things. But he was just lippy with me. Finally, I got so frustrated with him, I grabbed his ear, twisted it. And immediately I felt convicted. Immediately I felt like, oh, and I sat down in front of him and, you know, I kind of got chewed him out and got angry and then came back and I said, Dave, I'm sorry. And I want you to know that I will never twist your ear again. <laughs> it's true. Now, he rewrote history. I was talking to him last night. He came over to the house last night after church. And I told him that I talked about him in church. I told him that I told that story. And he goes, yeah, you used to twist my ear all the time when I was a kid. He rewrote history. I didn't twist his ear all the time. But now because I apologized to him, he's like, oh yeah, I remember that. You were twisting my ear all the time. <laughs> hey, our fathers weren't perfect, were they? They didn't discipline us perfectly because they were humans. They made mistakes. But the goal, see, my dad abused us through discipline but I think he had the right heart. I think he wanted me to grow up and be responsible. I think my dad was incredibly frustrated with me on a lot of levels. I think I made my dad incredibly angry. Doesn't justify anything that he did, but I believe that his heart was right in what he was wanting to do with me and wanting to do in our lives. And if we have fathers that abused us because, or, or that didn't, didn't discipline us hard enough, that didn't do it right and we respect them, how much more respect should we have for God? Because what God wants to do is bring profit into your life. He wants you to be blessed. When my uh, youngest son, Chris, I owe him 20 bucks for this, by the way, because I told him, if I, if I ever tell stories about you in church, I'll give you 20 bucks. I made that deal with him when he was younger, but I'll still give him 20 bucks when I get home. Um, he was seven years old. And he wanted to go down to the pool that was, we had a community pool by our house and he wanted to go down and buy nachos before dinner. And I told him, wait until after dinner and I'll take you down there. And then all of a sudden he disappeared. Lisa's running through the house looking for him. We can't find him. We have relatives that are over. We're all out on the street screaming, Chris, 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 trying to find him. We can't find him. I'm scared. Somebody pulled up and grabbed this poor seven-year-old off the street and drove off with him. Then he comes down the street from the community pool. They didn't have nachos that night, but he had his hands full of goldfish that he liked, okay? And he's running just as fast as his little skinny legs will take him back towards us. And my older boy, who's seven years older than him, looked at him and said, dad's gonna kill you. <laughs> Instead of saying, oh, I'm so glad you're okay, Chris. Come on back to the house. Dad's gonna kill you. So when I saw Chris, his eyes were so big, his arms full, I took away his goldfish, put him up. I ate him later in front of him. And... <laughs> Just kidding. And I took his goldfish away from him and I sent him to his room because I was angry. I wanted to calm down. I wanted to talk to Lisa. And so we were talking in the kitchen. What do we think we should do here? I really think we ought to spank him. I think this is severe. I think we really ought to make a stand here with him because this is, you know, he just can't be doing this. And from the back of the room house, I hear him going, oh God, oh God, why did I do it? Why did I do it? Why did I do it? Oh God, why did I do it? Now I gotta tell you, it was hard for me to go back there and discipline him. And I had to wipe the smile off my face as I'm standing outside of his door listening to him wail, why, oh why, oh why? But I gotta tell you that I disciplined him with a lighter hand than I would have had he not been doing that. 
It was that heart that I was looking for, that he would understand when dad says, don't go down there, that I don't go down there. And I think the same is true with God. I think that if we take his disciplines and we say, God, why did I do that? I'm sorry. Forgive me. I believe that the hand of God is light upon us. Some of us need to change it. Some of us can have so much that will be taken care of in our lives if we would just surrender to the the chastisement of God. And if we had fathers that chastise us, it says, as seems fit to them, look at verse 10, for they indeed for a few days chastened us, as seemed best to them. God recognizes the shortcomings that we have in discipline towards our children. And we did it, they did it for us, it seems best to them. But he for our profit, that we may be partakers of holiness. What does God want in your life? Freedom, holiness. He doesn't want you to be someone who's constantly running around doing things that are wrong, not shining for him. The example of a dog is used well here. Uh, If you have a dog that's disobedient, dog is always running away, always chasing cars, always chasing other dogs, always chasing kids on bikes, never, never being obedient to you. You keep that dog on a short leash. You lock that dog up in the backyard. You guys have a dog like that? Any of you guys have a dog like that? But then if you have another dog and that dog's incredibly obedient, that dog will do whatever you want it to do. I, I grew up with a dog like that. It was a German short hair and that gate could be left open in the backyard. I'd come home from school and the gate would be open and she'd be there and she'd be moving her feet because she wanted to see me in her tail wagon, but she would not go one step in front of that gate. The reason I think is because my dad had hit out there when she snuck outside the gate and beat her with a newspaper. <laughs> and so pretty soon she's like, I ain't going out there no matter what. I'm not going out there. But I tell you what, that dog was incredibly obedient. You could have that dog in the front yard with you and somebody would walk by with their dog on a leash and she'd start to go over to see the dog and my dad would go, baby, she'd come right back to him. I'm quite sure again, it was because of the newspaper. Now I'm not advocating to train your dog by beating him with the newspaper, okay? So if you're getting ready to write that email, leave it alone, all right? Just send the email to someone else, not to me. I'm just saying that's what my dad did, all right? The thing is, is that our dog had a tremendous amount of freedom. That gate could be left open. She could be out with us. We'd take her for walks without leashes. Now, I realize that in a lot of places that's illegal today to do that, all right? But not back then. We would take that dog out and because she didn't run off, she had an incredible amount of freedom. God wants to for your profit. He wants you to be the one who would be set free. For we have been set free for him. We have been given liberty, not so we can continue on in sin, the Bible says, but so that we can be free. So that we can understand the life that God has given us for our profit. So God chastens us for our profit. We are not to despise him because he wants us to be holy. I believe that with every Christian, every born again Christian, there's a desire to give righteousness and purity to God. I think that that can be covered up. I think that we can desire sin and begin to live for sin in our lives. But if you've truly been born again, there's a hunger and a desire for righteousness. And I love that Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be satisfied. And if you today say, not me, I'm a born again Christian, but I don't want to be holy. I don't want to be righteous. I don't want to keep his commandments. Then I would say, perhaps you're illegitimate. Perhaps you're really not a child of God. Because when you are born again, there's a radical change that takes place inside of you and you want to live for him. And maybe you need to surrender and invite him into your life and say, Lord, I'm ready to live for you. I want to shine for you. I want to be used by you. It goes on to say here in verse 11 that no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. 
when you're being spanked or when you're being disciplined, then you don't enjoy it at all. You say, Lord, why? Why is this going on? But God has a desire of fruitfulness. It says, nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. God's goal and desire is that peaceable fruit of righteousness in each one of our lives, that we would be trained by his correction, that we would be able to go out and stand for him. You know, we talk about it often. The Bible says you're the light of the world, that you are the salt of the earth. God has chosen you to introduce the people around you to him. And so you have Christ, the hope of glory in you. And unless you're close to him, you know, when people introduce people, you introduce people you're close with, you're with someone, you meet somebody else, you say, hey, I want you to meet so-and-so. You know both of them. It's hard to introduce people to God when you're not close to him. It's hard to introduce people to God when you're under the disciplinary action of God because you're after some sin or you want something in your life that God doesn't want for you. When you surrender to him, and you surrender that life to him and you get close to him, then all of a sudden, because you're close to him, you can now begin to introduce the people around you to him. When things are right between you and God, I think that there are some today that are here that need to get things right. There are some here that are under that, that chastening of God and you need to repent today and say, Lord, I wanna give you the right heart. God wants your marriage to be blessed. So he wants you to stay away from certain things. God wants your children to have respect for you throughout your entire life what is it I quoted already? The passage that says a good name is to be more desired than silver and gold. That's what God wants for each of us as we surrender to him. I, I quoted a Keith Green song early in this message. At least I think I did. I've done five messages so far. I can't remember what I've said in each one of the messages. But I quoted one earlier and Keith Green had this to say in his song. Remember, I want to re-quote it to you then I want to continue on with it a little bit more. He said, well, I pledge my head to heaven for the gospel and I'll ask no man on earth to fill my need. Like a sparrow up above, I am enveloped in his love and I'll trust him like those little ones he feeds. And then the next line said this, I'm your child and I'm gonna be in your family forever. I'm your child and I'm gonna follow you no matter whatever the cost. I'm gonna count all things lost. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to say, I'm your child and I'm gonna follow you no matter whatever the cost? I want to shine for you as your son. I want to represent you wherever we go. And whatever discipline you see fit, God, I'll receive it. I'll receive his discipline with joy because I don't want those things in my life. I'm glad God disciplines me. I'm glad I'm not the kid that's out until four or five in the morning who parents doesn't care where you are. Maybe when you were a kid, you were like, your parents were like, be home by 10.30. No, everybody else stays out till two. Your parents would say, nothing good happens between 12 and two, right? Or maybe 11 and two, they would say. And now as an adult, you say to your kids, nothing good happens between 12 and two. I just want what God wants for me. And I'm willing to accept the discipline. I hope that you are as well because the disciplining hand of God is because you have a loving heavenly father who wants the very best for you. Stand with me, would you? And let's pray together. Father, again, we wanna thank you for your discipline in our lives. We wanna thank you that, that you have brought us to the place to where we can walk in righteousness and holiness. And Lord, I pray for those that are in the woodshed now, that are, are living there, that they would turn from those sins and thank you that you are disciplining them. Thank you that you love them and care for them enough that they have a real relationship with you and that you don't wanna allow them to go off into those sins. Lord, I also pray for those who are here today that are illegitimate in a sense. They think they're Christians, they go to church, 
but they've never really genuinely been born again. They've never opened up their hearts and invited you in. Lord, I pray that they would not only have the boldness to make the next step, but I pray that they would stand strong in you. I pray that you would radically change their lives by the power of the gospel and the power of your spirit and that they would find themselves living for you and doing the work that you have called them to do. We thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'd like you to keep your heads bowed, please, and your eyes closed for just a couple of minutes. I'd also like to ask that no one would leave early. We're almost done. We'll dismiss you here in a moment. But if you know the Lord, would you pray for those who are here today who don't? I want to say to you, first of all, that being religious doesn't guarantee that you're going to make it into heaven. Being religious can be good, but it can't save you. Going to church is good, but it can't save you. You were created with a choice and you have a, a door in your life and you can open that door up to God. You can open that door up to Jesus or you can keep it shut. And if today you say, maybe you're young, you're here today and God's knocking on the door of that heart and God's got a plan for you. Who knows where God wants to take you? or how God wants to use you, or what God wants to do in your life, but you've got that door shut, and you're saying, even now as I'm talking, I ain't opening that door. If I got a door, I'm gonna keep it myself. I wanna run my life. Well, listen to what Jesus said. If you seek to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, Jesus said, you'll save it. If you'll open that door and give your life up, you'll discover the reason you were created and the reason that you were made. But if you wanna open that door, all you need do is say, Lord, I want you in my life. Come in, I give myself to you. I now wanna give up my goals, my desire, my selfishness, my life, and I wanna live wholeheartedly for you. I wanna give it all to you, whatever you want and whatever you desire. And God will use your life like a consuming fire to transform the lives of people that are around you. Now, if you're here today and you wanna give your life to him, if you've never done it, or if perhaps when you were younger or a few years ago, you surrendered your life to Jesus, but you walked away from that and you're not living for him today and you want to today, then I'm gonna ask you as well to do something simple. Just lift your hand. Wherever you are right now, you wanna give your life to Jesus and begin living for him. You wanna give up your own life to live the life that he has for you. Raise your hand now. Lift it up high so I can see it. I wanna make my way around the room and acknowledge your hands. God bless you, sir. That's awesome. I believe God's got a plan and God bless you, ma'am. That's great. All the way in the back, sir. God bless you. Ma'am, right here. And right there on the aisle. God bless you, ma'am. Keep your hands up, would you? God bless you, sir, there in the back. You're raising your hand to God. God bless you. And God bless you all the way over to my left. You're saying, God, I want you in my life. Lord, I'm here. Choose me is what you're saying. God bless you, sir. That's great. God bless you, sir. And God bless you, ma'am. That's great. I really believe that God's calling lives and changing them now. God bless you, sir, in the back here. Don't let this day go by without you. Today is the day of salvation. God's knocking on the door of your heart. How do you know that he will be knocking ever again? Maybe this is your chance, his offer of salvation to you. God bless you, sir. That's great. All right. You could put your hands down. And I saw your hand back over by the doors as well. And I would like those who raise their hands to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I have sinned. And I know my sin has separated me from you. I also understand that I can be forgiven by the death of Jesus upon the cross. So I invite you into my life and I turn from my sin 
that I can live for you by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the power of the resurrection. In the name of Jesus, amen. Welcome to the family of God. Amen. We pray that the Lord is speaking to you in a personal way here at Practical Christian Living. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, Calvary Tucson is open and holding physical services while being mindful of social distancing guidelines. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service online at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living Radio has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org, where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or have questions about salvation? Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson and Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living Sunday mornings at 8.30 on KGUN 9 TV. May we walk worthy while we wait for the return of our Savior. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.